That's what we are talking about this year, uh, going through and, and knowing who we believe in, not just uh, believing things about, but, but actually knowing a person, getting, getting uh, acquainted, getting closer to uh, Christ. And we've been working through the, the titles of Christ and seeing what each one of these means to us um, specifically, how they apply to my life and, and, and what, they, what they require of me. Uh, this month we've been, we've been going through those titles that specifically are grouped in that they require a reciprocation. In other words, we've talked about, and this, one, this one's going to be just a little bit different. Uh, it's not an obvious relationship that we, we might think of. Uh, for example, if I say we talk about the groom, well, that obviously when you talk about the groom, you're talking about a bride. It's a, uh, if you talk about a brother, we obviously know immediately that there are siblings, brothers and sisters, right? Uh, any, any of these relationships naturally show a reciprocation, uh, but, but the one we're going to do today is going to be a little bit different. It's not going to... The, the, the thing it first evokes is not what we're going to talk about. Uh, just for... Uh, a little bit of uh, background. Believe this or not, I grew up as the class clown. That's that's a true story. Um, I know that's surprising. Um, when I arrived at college, I did this. I just kind of continued uh, that, um, and uh, I got, it did get me in trouble uh, a number of times. Uh, that's also very surprising, I'm sure. Uh, one of the things I used to do was I would imitate my, one of my professors in, in, uh, in Bible college. Uh, and uh, we had very small classrooms, uh, and, and he, he, caught, he, he kind of observed that a few times when I didn't think he was looking. But he did get the last laugh because I had mimicked him for so long that after I left, I would do these same things, just kind of adopted them as some of my mannerisms, which I still have now, which is kind of funny. Um, we're going to be talking about a relationship that kind of works like that. Um, it's a reciprocation of, of a kind. It's a role that, that Jesus held when he got here to teach and illustrate what he wanted. Um, there's a guy by the name of Warner Forsman. I think I've got a picture of him here. Warner Forsman, and you probably don't know who Warner Forsman is. Well, why are we talking about this guy? Well, if you have had or know of somebody who's had a pacemaker or, uh, or any type of artery reconstruction or uh, anything like that, you are familiar with the work of Warner Forsman. Uh, the problem is that... Um, because of the nature of what he did, uh, he performed the world's first um, uh, what we, the catheterization, and basically using a, a, a catheter in a, up the vein to, to scope the heart and see uh, to see that that's the work that he did. The problem being that that is dangerous. So, how do you experiment? Well, they could experiment on animals. There was no, no guarantee that that was going to, to translate. In fact, they, they tried it with rabbits, and rabbits couldn't survive it. So, so 
There was this, there's this theory that he could do this on humans, but the problem is, is you can't just go saying, we're going to uh, experiment on a human. So, so Walter's, Walter Forsman, uh, or Warner Forsman, decided that he was going to do something a little bit different. He was going to do this on himself, much to the protestation of his nurse. Um, his nurse had the access, he did not have the access to where some of the surgery stuff was. So uh, I don't know what their rules there was, but the surgeon didn't have access to the, to the things that were locked up. So he had to get the nurse's approval, but she didn't want to let him do this. So what he did is, is he's like, okay, so, so she, she got the stuff. He's like, I'll, she's like, I will volunteer to be your first patient. So he strapped her in to the, to the bed and, put the, and he made like he was getting her ready. He even performed a fake incision on her arm while she was slightly anesthetized. Then with her secured and not able to do anything, he took all the things and went in the other room and performed it on himself, for which he got disbarred. About 20 years later, he got the Nobel Peace Prize after everybody else had capitalized on his work. That's kind of what we're talking about. That, that Christ came and did something and performed a surgery of sorts on Himself to, to illustrate what He wanted us to, to, to be the experiment for what He wanted for us in this last relationship that we're going to be talking about uh, this, this month. Matthew 20, 28. Um, there's a picture, by the way, of him actually doing that. It's kind of gross. Matthew 20, 28. He says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We are talking about the relationship of a servant. And why I say that this is uh, a little bit different is if we said servant, the first thing that comes to your mind is master. And that is not the relationship. If Christ came to be a servant, we are not the master. That, that would be the wrong connection to draw here. So we're going to be looking uh, at, the, uh, at the, uh, the title of servant and what it means that Christ is a servant. Now, the, to this point, we've traveled through 20 different titles of Christ, and, and the majority have been the grand ones. They've been, uh, I am, the Logos, and all these grand, the Lion, and uh, with the exception of maybe calling himself the Passover lamb and the man of sorrows and the bread of life, those are kind of maybe not so grand. I mean, they are in, in the concept, but the, the words don't evoke very high emotions like some of those other titles. And certainly of his titles, servant is the lowest title that you would think to get. So, so we want to learn first to learn a little bit about the servant. Learn about Christ the servant. And we would look at who he served. That's the first thing we want to look at, who he served. Acts chapter 3, verse 25 and 26, he says, You are the sons of the prophets and the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, In your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. And here he's speaking to the Jews. Uh, and uh, but the, the concept extended beyond them because it says he sent him to you first 
implying that you're not the last ones to get it, you're just the first. But we notice in here several things. That first, he was a servant of God. Before he served other people, before he served the Jews, before he served the Gentiles, before he served anybody else, Christ first was a servant of God. And that's important. He is not referenced here as the servant of Jews. Though, in practice, he did that. We have looked at a number of titles. We began the, the year talking about the titles which clearly depict Christ as God. And here he's the servant of God and God at the same time. And we get into that same thing where we I don't understand this. This doesn't fit in my brain. We are somewhat comfortable so long as Jesus is spoken with reference to God. Right? So long as the titles have something to do with God, we are comfortable... But now we're turning into a, a we're turning to a title which which seems to indicate him as as lesser and that, that makes us uncomfortable because it's not true he's not lesser but but Christ as a servant of God as placing himself lower well in placing himself lower that's exactly what the concept is and so we see John thirteen thirteen through sixteen he says you call me teacher. And Lord, so, so here we do, he did have the title, we talked about Jesus as Lord and all that. Uh, you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash out one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. And truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. So there is a servant-master relationship, which is not the one we're exploring today, because in that relationship, Christ is the master, we are the servant. Remember, the title we're looking is not Christ as the Master. That's a different sermon. We're looking at Christ the Servant. And a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. And so, after Christ made himself a servant of God, he made himself a servant of the lesser. He did not just become a servant. It's a humbling thing to be a servant in any regards. It would be a a humbling thing to be a servant of a rich person, a person that on a social status everyone considers higher than you. That would be humbling enough. Who wants to be a servant? No one wants to be a servant. Not even of someone that everyone recognizes as, as higher on the social scale. But to make yourself a servant of the lesser, that's unheard of. And Christ did it. Christ was first a servant of God all the way up the chain. And then he became a servant of everybody at the bottom of the chain. I want to look at how he served. Because that's important too. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. And this explains how he did and, and why he did all of that. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not consider or count equality with God something to be grasped. Sorry, I've memorized this in a different version. Uh, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death 
of a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above all names, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How he served, and we have to look at the mind of service. Let this mind be in you. That's how this happened. That's how he became a servant in the first place. And how he got himself all the way down to serve the very lowest of the low. To serve. Mind of service, first of all, obviously, is humility. That is the first thing. Because what Jesus did does not reflect reality. Jesus as a servant is not reality. Jesus is the creator of, of everything. But Jesus emptied himself of that thought. Jesus said, I have to, the mind has to get rid of reality. I know that I am the creator. I'm going to have to empty myself. I'm going to have to, I don't know if you've ever done this, uh, when you're stuck on a problem and it, you, you want to work through a problem the same way again and again because that's what we know. Right? And, uh, uh, and, and so we, we tend to go down the same path. And like, I keep making the same mistake because we have a difficult time changing the way we think and looking at a problem from a different angle. We have a difficult... Like, I want to put this thing here and I want to do this that's because that's the way we want to do things. Like, okay... And back up and look at things a different way. We have a hard time emptying our mind of the things, the way we've been raised to do things, or whatever it is. What, what, whatever our tendencies are, we have a difficult time. Jesus, being God from eternity, has to empty his mind of all he's been for forever. And think of himself completely different. That is... I can't even... Imagine that. And he empties himself and says, I am not going to think of myself like the Creator. I'm going to think of myself as a servant. And so he empties himself. I am choosing to serve. I'm choosing this. Well, the mind of, the mind of service then goes to the purpose the mind has to look at the purpose, and this is where we're going to introduce ourselves into the relationship, was to teach others how to do it. All through, the, all through the verses that we've read so far, there's one common theme. Maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't. But they've all described the relationship of us to the servant, and it is to be servants. It is a servant-servant relationship. It's not a servant-master relationship, but we're all servants. Sometimes people need to see how a thing is done to do it. You, you can tell me how to get there, and you can give me the directions, and left and right, and left and right, and I, it doesn't work. I have got to see it. I've got to see a map. I've got, I'm just a visual person. And some people are like that. You can tell them how to do a thing, and it will not stick. 
But if they can see a thing done, it's in. And they'll never forget it. Christ said, I'm going to come and show you how to do this procedure. I'm going to come and show you how to be a servant. Because as hard as it was for for Christ, we can't even imagine that because we don't think that way. We don't think of me as servant. That's why it's hard for me to imagine Christ doing it. Because it's not in my nature either. And so we want to know the servant. We've known about the servant. So, know the servant. Uh, let's just stay right in that verse. So the first thing we talk about is duplication. That's what we're talking about. Duplicating what he did. Have this mind in yourselves. Duplicate the mindset. So the correct response of the servant, or our correct response to the servant, is service. We read the passage that says, you should also do this for your brethren. Every one of those verses that we go through show, I did it, you do it. I did it, you do it. That's what Christ came to do. So duplication. The second thing that we want to look at then is, who do we serve? Well, who did Christ serve? If he's just showing us how to do it, we can just say, well, who did Christ serve? And and that should be there. Mark chapter 9, verse 35, he says, he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and the servant of all. So he says, oh, that's pretty much, that pretty much sums it up. And we can just walk, let's just call it ten minutes early and we can go, right? But uh, the problem is that we get lost in specifics. Um, specifics are difficult for us. I mean, yeah, okay, serve everybody. What does that mean? You know, I have a difficult time with that word, all. My, my, uh, it, it's kind of a funny thing in, in our house. Um, there's language. You know, every household has accepted and understood phrases. And so uh, I have a phrase uh, that it's just... All the time, uh, or a word, a way I reference things. I use the word thing a lot. Can you get me the thing? That doesn't narrow it down, really, but the scary thing is when I say, can you get me the thing over there, and they pick up the thing that I want. Like, they've come to understand how I'm thinking, right? But generally speaking, those overgeneralized words, that's not too specific. You said, serve everyone. What does that mean? That's too general. Be specific. Everybody should be, that should be understood. But we have problems with generalizations. So, let's go to extremes to understand what this might include. When we say everyone, Romans chapter 14, verse 18 through 20 says, whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable. And we go to that first thing, right? Who we serve? We serve God. Whoever serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. So there's two things in here. First of all, we see uh, Christ. We want to begin there. Much as Christ served God, he says, you've got to be a servant of 
Christ first. But that implied some things. And, and just as with Christ, that, that service to God became service to those who were lesser, for us, it's not serving the lesser in the, in the same sense, but serving the weaker. And I want to da- draw a distinction because I'm going to get a, like, what do we mean serving the lesser? It's not a perfect analogy. There's no analogies that we could put ourselves in the equation with Christ and come out with a perfect analogy. Because we just don't exist on the same plane. But there is a concept, the mindset, that there are people that are weaker. There are people that obviously aren't lesser because we are human beings. And human beings have the same intrinsic value. But there are people that we view as weaker because of whatever. Whatever problems or traumas or tragedies or whatever circumstances they have found themselves in, they are weaker. That is true. Christ came and served people who are, by nature, weaker. That is where we begin. Don't destroy the faith of the weaker, he says. You are a servant of the weaker. That's not in my nature. I don't even like to serve people I perceive as superior or stronger. But serve the weaker? That's where we start. And second, Acts chapter 4, verse 29, 30 says, Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to... Where we start again. Same idea. We are God's servants first. Your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. So we, we again go back to that same concept where we, there's this relationship. We are servants Christ was a servant. We see this connection all the way through. All the way through these verses. And what did it amount to? What did that produce? That service to Christ. That relationship to Christ and to, and to God. What did it produce? It produced a service to enemies. To people that were trying to kill them. Grant us to go out in boldness and say these things right in the presence of the people that want to kill us. They ended up serving their enemies. And so, we then come to uh, the last concept of how we serve, because that was important. How we serve. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as bond servants or slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or free. Last week we, we used a reference in, in Peter and in Ephesians to, to illustrate something. We used the actual relationship of a bride and groom to illustrate the spiritual connection between us and God. And and the the same thing is true here. Here he's using the illustration of an actual literal slave to illustrate what is expected of anyone, really. Now these were behaviors that were 
expected of people who were owned as slaves. But they are the behaviors that are expected of any servants. How we serve. The obstacles to service are this. It's difficult. Service is hard, so it dampens enthusiasm. Right? I'm not so excited to serve. And it is unrewarding, at least in the short term, so I don't have the incentive to serve. If I, if I see I'm getting something out of the deal, then I have motivation to keep going. Right? If I'm seeing something happen, there's motivation to keep going. But when I don't see me getting anything out of the deal, it kind of slows down. Those things get put on the back burner for priorities. I'm not seeing anything happening here. Eh. Let me work on something that, that kind of makes me feel good in the moment. And so the mindset of service is to overcome the obstacles to service. So he says, those times where you aren't seeing anything out of it, you have to consider the long-term spiritual good. Perform your service from the mindset that you are doing it for God. That you're getting something out of it for God, from God. Your identity is important. Throughout all of these things, we've been talking about being servants. Christ took on the form of a servant. He spoke of himself as a servant. We see throughout here, throughout all these verses, we are called servants. He doesn't just say perform service. There's a slight difference to change the way your self-image is. Because I do not naturally identify as a servant. He says, change the way you think of yourself. You are a servant of God first. That's what Christ came to do. To show us not just a procedure, but to, to show us a mindset, a change in mind. He says, give yourself to God first. So we're going to finish with a, with a thought here. What are your word pictures and your associations when you think of a servant? Or what, what are the... I mean, maybe ours are affected by American culture and history when we think of servants or slaves. Those word pictures come to our mind. We still reference those in our daily discourse. And those are unpleasant words. We think of things that are unfair. That was unfair. Demeaning activities. We think of suffering. We think of being exhausted. Pleasant words do not come to our minds when we think of slavery or service. There are no good words. Because we don't get the benefit out of it. And it's not in the short term. This is what God has called us to be. Something that doesn't have good words associated with it. 
But so that we could do it, Christ came and suffered unfair, demeaning, and exhausting things. All of that. He said, let me show you how it's done. This is how we do it. So, the question that we leave with, or statement, the challenge, I could ask myself, have I suffered these things? For being a servant, I mean, yes, I've suffered. I've had unfair things happen. But, but has that happened to me because of my service, specifically, to God or to people? And so as we leave here, the challenge this week, and starting this week, not just, just this week like, like a checklist, but is to put yourself in a position of vulnerability. To voluntarily place yourself in a position like a surgeon, not sure how the thing is going to turn out, and ends up doing something positive in the long term, didn't see an immediate reward, but suffered vulnerability to do something for the good in the long term. Like Christ, who suffered pain and death, even the death of a cross, in the short term, to produce something, to produce more servants in the long term.